You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learn. Abdacha, Austin, Shotagizabi. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope that you enjoyed the first win of the season, even if it wasn't something that's going to garner a lot of attention on, on Match of the Day, or maybe even in any podcast that focuses on not Southampton. But luckily for you, there are plenty of those going around so that you can find coverage of the team that you want to hear and not have to put up with the uh, the rest of the stuff. But um, the team went out, they did it, they got the first one of the season, they got off the bottom of the table. Even if it was only one goal, it still was a beautiful goal, and it was Danny Ng scoring the goal, which is what we come to expect as Saints fans. And um, with Things you would come to expect. Sean Dyche was unhappy after the game, but there's really nothing we can do about that. And if we made him happy, I would somehow actually be upset because that would mean that, you know, Burnley beat us again. So uh, the first win at Turf Moor in the top flight since 1971. I think the first win at Turf Moor since 2007. So that is something that I can be proud of. And speaking of things that I can be proud of, uh, this week's episode with Jay Hughes of St. Mary's Musings. Jake is here to talk about the match, answer your questions, do all of that. We'll also talk about his new podcast, the three F's podcast. And uh, we'll do that in just a moment. If you are interested in finding out more about the three F's podcast, once we talk about it a little bit and you learn about it from Jake, um, the link is in the show notes as well as the link to St. Mary's Musings and also Jake's uh, Twitter account where you can get more Saint stuff and also his MMA writing and things of that nature. And much like Sean Deitch's game plan, There are no substitutes. So let's get to the episode. Talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Jake Hughes. You can find him on Twitter at JJHughes underscore, and you can also get his writing and much more at St. Mary's Musings. And uh, there's also a new podcast that you are in charge of um, called The Three Fs. And I won't tell you what those are. I'll let you uh, explain that to everybody. Uh, we'll just let that let that hang there for a minute. Uh, but how are you, Jake? Yeah, I'm I'm good, thank you. Um, thank you for mentioning our Ring to Dink podcast. It's it's not anything I expect anyone uh listen to. It's more a chance for me and some of my mates to, you know, it's an excuse to catch up quite regularly. And the three Fs are football, FIFA, and football manager. I mean, we're me and my mates are all nearing 30 and our interest in all three subjects are still as strong as they were um when i first got my first fifa game fifa 97 at six years old so um yeah it's just a chance to talk about uh the stupid stuff we used to do playing them games 
and also the stupid stuff we do now playing them together. Is, I mean, is Football Manager like the original Fortnite? Like, is that, <laughs> is that, is that as much of a time suck for you, for you or was it oh, as, as Fortnite is for, for our kids? Yeah, well, so I, my first, it was Championship Manager back then. I got uh, Championship Manager 2000, 2001. I, I think I was seven or eight. My math is awful. And uh, yeah, been obsessed with it ever since. I have went years without buying the games, but that's because I've had like pre-existing saves that have continued on. Um, uh, I hate I hate to know the amount of hours I've put into Football Manager or Championship Manager since that first game I got. But we're we're talking we might even total up to months at this point, which is really depressing it's not depressing um i will say that the the barrier to entry for like an american coming to to football like brand new like isn't that high but like getting into any discussion on twitter or even listening to like the guardian football weekly like the number of football manager references that are there that i didn't Mm -hmm. understand like that was probably the steepest learning curve of all time because i've still never played it and i never will because i just know it's not going to go like I'd have to, uh, my choice was either like start playing that or do the podcast. Like there was no, there was going to be like, no, no, no doing both. And, uh, I think I've chosen the one's correct more thing. productive than the other as well. I Maybe. think you did pick right. <laughs> Maybe let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Football manager, I mean, in essence, it's a game of spreadsheets and stats. Um, on the surface, it doesn't look like it's, would be fun to play at all to be honest but uh, i don't know what it is it's it's very very addictive um one of them games and it's a bit of a cliche at this point but if you you know you have a set time in your mind when you're going to stop playing and you end on a loss you, you tend to not want to finish until you're really satisfied of what you've achieved um in that stint and um, I'm lucky enough to have a decent enough computer to have it running in the background. So every now and then I can sort of pick up and play it when I want, which is one pretty good way of uh, curbing sort of long football manager games. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange how I, I, de- I managed to avoid playing it for a long time, um, probably about two, three years. And then every now and then I just get the urge again and then, like I am now, you just sort of can't not think about playing FM. But I don't know what it is. I think we've all been there. So like it's, I played hours and hours of like all the EA sports games uh, from baseball yeah. to football to to everything. And I mean American football. I didn't play FIFA until uh, I think I think in 2016 I got FIFA 13, and because I just refused to pay full price for anything. Um, so. I'm I'm behind on the times, but it's 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 all right. Like we all do it, so don't don't worry. They're all the same game. Yeah, just uh, you know, and certain players are better in certain games, and uh, I, I refuse to get sucked into the the controversy over which players really got got shafted in their in their in their ratings and stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's okay. I know Vestergaard. I think his pace on one of them was like 38, and I was like, I think they're giving him too much credit. I've seen him turn. It's not great. Uh, but he played really well yesterday. We, we'll, we'll come, we'll come on to talk about that in, in just a little bit. But um, anyway, if you want to check out the podcast, it's kind of all on all the, the normal channels. The link uh, to the Apple um, 
podcast link is in the show notes so people can check that out as well as the YouTube channel if people are interested. And um, I think, I mean, just talking to, to people online, those three Fs come up a lot. Um, I think people will be, will be interested. So if they can check that out. So uh, congratulations on, on starting a podcast and it's basically, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice hobby and it's, an, it's a lot of fun. And like you said, it's just a way to catch up with, uh, with your friends. And it's also, I mean, we've been on here for, for way too long already, which is always what happens when, whenever we talk. So uh, there it is. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, I think it's just important. I, I want to keep it as a hobby. Uh, we're, we're not really committing to you know, one episode a week or, or whatever, but it's, it's, uh, it's been fun so far. We've got three recorded, only one released. And hopefully we've got like a bit of a back catalog being built. That's good. You, um, I can tell you the back catalog for this show is one episode. So I have one mistake. <laughs> uh, so it, it, that, that's just what, what happens because it's hard because this, this goes out of date, you know, after, after next week, yeah. like by, by Thursday, this is old. And so that, you know, yours, yours, yours doesn't do that necessarily. Um, yeah, so that's good. That's, that's deliberate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, talking about saints a little bit, there's, there's been a lot of uh, discussion this week, a lot of, um, a lot of people wanting a lot of things and, and we missed out on a midfielder. Um, he apparently last second goes to PSV. Uh, I had never heard of him before. I know he was playing in, in the French league and then they, his team was relegated. And so it looked like he was going to be available. Um, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name. Everybody probably knows who I'm talking about. Um, but he didn't come to us and I don't think it's that big of a surprise. We seem to be uh, finishing second in a lot of these uh, races to, to sign players. And I don't know, how you feel about that or how you feel about our prospects of getting somebody in before the, the deadline that uh, Ralph has said, we need someone, we need probably two players at least. Um, but what's your kind of feeling on, uh, on the transfer business so far? Yeah. Um, it's clear we have deficiencies in our squad, particularly in central midfield. And this week alone, uh, I'm going to attempt to say his name, Ibrahim Sangare. <laughs> probably terribly wrong. Nailed it. Yeah. Apparently we, Missed out on him. The reality is, we, you know, Southampton fans, we, we don't really know the inner workings. Obviously, it was a couple of weeks ago, it was Weston McKenney who was meant to be coming in, and he went to Juventus. No shot there. If, you know, if we were in for him and he opted to go there instead. Uh, this week, there's been Tom Davis on loan from, uh, from Everton, and Ruben Loftus Cheek also popped up on loan from, from Chelsea. Um, Ralph on Thursday came out saying that we will make three signings before the deadline. Um, you know, I guess we have to trust his word on that, but at the same time, it's not really, uh, he's not necessarily the, the decision maker for that, is he? Um, you know, we have all kinds of staff in the background who are in charge of recruitment, and while I I think Ralph has a fairly large say in that compared to former managers. And he's not the one sanctioning deals and parting with cash. So I don't know. Regardless of the result yesterday, we still need um, some players being brought in. I'm hoping it does happen, but I mean, it's anyone's guess if it actually will materialize. The three players he wants or says, you know, that's the figure he's given for the amount of players that he's confident will come in. Um, will it be the ones that he actually has his eye on? Who knows? Yeah, and one of the things that uh, came out, I think, in 
in Dan Sheldon's article in The Athletic was that if it was a loan move for a player, that player will have Premier League experience. So Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Tom Davies, um, these guys, and had United landed their man, we could have uh, potentially been looking at, uh, I think, Scott McTominay uh, coming in. But those guys fit the, the I guess, the bill of, of having having experience they can come in they can make an impact they can slot in kind of right away uh but if we sign somebody that's from outside the league that would be a permanent signing it would be somebody for the future more of a uh along the lines of Silisu and and I guess I'm not sure which one of those I want more um you know I definitely think we need somebody in midfield now but I'm also you know I I'm I'm not a huge fan of of training other teams players um, and getting really used to having them on loan if there's no chance we sign them on a permanent deal, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I, I mean, it's worked out with, with Kyle Walker Peters. Uh, we needed that spot and he's been, he's been pretty good. Uh, he was very good last year. He's, he's getting better. I mean, he played that pass yesterday for Adams that really set the goal up and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I would rather, I think make a permanent signing, but we also need help right now because, I mean, well, I, I guess there's no fixture congestion for us at this point because we're out of, you know, that, that other competition that we reached the final a couple of years ago. But, you know, th- things happen. As you said, like, we we have done quite well out of loans in the past. Like, not only Walt Peters, Ryan Bertrand mm-hmm. uh, was initially a loan and we then signed him permanently. Um, if there's the option to bring a player in, um, I mean, Danny Ings even was a loan but that was a loan of you signing him. Yeah. If we can, you know, work out a deal that makes sense for Southampton financially, as well as, you know, the players actually half decent, um, I'm all for it. But yeah, I, I think anyone would be, would naturally um, lean towards a permanent signing over the other. But, you know, we, we have had decent success in the loan department. We've, we've lost the cheap. I think there's talk that he's on a hundred grand a week at Chelsea, and while I don't expect Saints to uh, pay him a hundred grand, um, even if we paid half of that, I'd see that as being a bit of a stretch for Saints. So I don't know how realistic that is, but I'd be all for it if he can stay fit. Yeah, well, if he if he is getting that, I think he still is one of the highest earners at the club, you know, and yeah, that yeah, that does create issues in the squad if you have somebody making. Um, all that much money. And my, my real issue with, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek is does he fit the system? And I think he tends to play further forward. Um, is he going to... I mean, it would allow Ward-Prowse just to sit, I guess, more and break up play. But I, I think you, you, you can see what happens if we have a half where we don't press as hard as we need to. And, and you know, we just get Kane to sound on repeat. And, and we, don't, we don't need that. We need, we need the energy. And uh, his injury yeah. record worries me, but um, I, I will say that I enjoy watching him play when he's on the ball. He's he's talented. He's strong. He's fast. Uh, fun to watch, but um, I don't know. I, I worry a little bit about that stuff, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I say, he does play further up the pitch in midfield. I'd like to think that he has the physicality to make it work. If we wanted him to play a bit further back and basically be a more technically rounded version of Romeo is at the moment, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
Villa and West Ham have also been linked. West Ham are in dire need of bringing anyone in at this stage. Their fans are so uh, so angry at their board. I think just even if it's a loan signing, that will be seen as positive by their fan base, and they would part with that kind of money. So I don't know. Well, I mean, the amount of the amount of running that Ralph's system requires from the midfielders, from the whole team, really. I mean, it's still less than the running you'd have to do if Mark Noble was your midfield partner because the guy has no <laughs> legs. So we can always like bill that to, to Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I will take any chance to knock Mark Noble. Um, I made one positive comment about him one time, and after that, um, Freddie set me straight uh, off record, and it was great. So before we get to the game uh, that, that happened Saturday evening, just very quickly on the takeover talks, it seems like there is uh, some some talk of, of the club definitely being up for sale that's come out in The Athletic. Dan Sheldon, again, uh, done some fantastic reporting uh, on that. And it, it also looks like the potential new buyer is is just looking for a Premier League club. He would like to own a club. And, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are, are all for... Um, getting rid of, of, of Gao. Like this hasn't been a great experiment for him. Uh, it hasn't really been great for us as, as fans of the club. And uh, I don't know, what, what, what have you heard in terms of, uh, of, of, of the potential takeover? And I mean, it doesn't really seem like, like this guy is going to be the guy. And it doesn't seem like, like uh, Katrina wants to, to, to let go of, the, of, the, of her stake in the club either. This kind of thing... I'm in two minds of, because you're right, uh, the whole gal deal we have at the moment isn't great for us. I'm pretty sure it's not great for, for him either, not that I am bothered about that at all. But the, I feel like if we're going to be sold to anyone, it needs to be to the right people. We, we've seen that having the correct backing, the passionate backing from uh Marcus Lieber, rest in peace. You know, that can really galvanize a club, um, not only with, you know, putting the, the necessary resources behind the club to buy the players they need to be successful, but also, you know, that kind of positive attitude, you know, having an owner that actually cares about the team really galvanizes the support base as well. And what I've read about Joseph the Grocer is um, he was heavily disliked that Bordeaux, who he used to own, mm-hmm. was essentially hounded out of the club. And he's, um, I don't know, all of the things I've read, it seems to me that he's a bit of a, an asset stripper and he won't put any of his money into the club anyway. So I, as much as I don't like Gao in the current regime, I, I think, um, you know, better the devil you know than this uh, fancy Dan Yank coming in yeah i mean his he's an investor right like that's what he is he's he would be investing in the club not like it's not a vanity project necessarily it's 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 an investment and i that's there's a huge difference between somebody who really loves a football club and somebody who invests in a football club and i and also though it seems to be this is the way things are going as they're these these teams are bought by investors and they're bought you know to make a profit and not very many football teams actually generate that big of a profit for the owners. And if they are, if the owners are able to take um, dividends out of that, generally it doesn't spell good things for the, for the club going forward because um, 
really, if you're going to buy a football club, you're, you're going to be expected to put a lot of money in. We're all upset with Gal for not buying people in the transfer market and things like that. He wants the club to run itself. And, and at some level, you know, that that's a great ambition, but it doesn't always happen. And, and I, I am worried, you know, as, like you said, the, we know what we have with Gao. It might not be the best situation. Um, the situation between the UK and China isn't great. Uh, the situation between the US and China isn't great, but, but DeGrosse has already shown a little bit that he's, you know, he might not be the person we want to buy this club. And, and I don't necessarily want somebody coming in just because they want to own. I mean, he has a quote here. Um, he basically calls the Premier League the granddaddy of them all when it comes to investing in football clubs. And it's, he, he knows that people look for it and it has the best recognition. That's not why I want somebody buying Southampton football club, no. you know? Yeah, not at all. And, and I've, I've, you know, I've received a couple of emails about my take on, uh, or my, my position on, on sports betting as a sponsor. Um, and I guess I kind of follow, I fall on the same lines here. Like I, I want somebody buying the club for the right reason. Um, I realized that at some point somebody's going to have to buy the club from Gao and it might not be who I want and I'll, I'll live with it and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think DeGrosse has already shown a little bit about who he is based on his previous ownership of football clubs that I, you know, didn't, didn't sound like it was a great fit for anybody. No, it's, uh, a lot of alarm bells there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the linesman flag, the linesman's flag is definitely up. I don't even think it needs to go to VAR. I think it's just, yeah. Yeah. Great. Although maybe, maybe Gao's purchase was a clear and obvious error and we should be getting to review that. But anyway, that's enough. I don't need to do that anymore. This is like turning into dad joke territory very, very soon. Um, let's talk about Saturday because uh, we hadn't won um, at Burnley, I think since 2007. Um, and it wasn't in the top flight at that point. I don't think we won at Burnley in the top flight since 1971, uh, according to what I saw. Uh, so... You know, honestly, we, I, I, I assume, and we kind of talked earlier, like neither of us were expecting much. Uh, and, and yet we went in there yesterday and, and I was very surprised with how the team played. We look like a completely different team for, for large portions of the game. And, uh, you know, for a game with an XG of, you know, just below one expected total, uh, I was pretty happy with how it all went. Yeah. It, it was one of them games where you're happy to, you're happy it's over because in terms of a spectacle, it wasn't special at all and also the fact that we got a result which was highly unexpected even with uh, Burnley missing so so many players um, in a weird way we actually probably played better against Spurs uh, for that first half than we did um, you know the, the good play we had in that first half counterbalances in Spurs' favour compared to this game because I feel like we got an early goal, but that was pretty much it in terms of uh, how well we played going forward yesterday. Yeah, and I have to slight correction. Just over, we we, we were expected uh, total between Burnley and us to have one point one goals yesterday. That's that's not a great. It's definitely not uh, the the four threes we were seeing thrown up earlier in, no. last week and things like that. This was uh, you know three shots on target for over a ninety minute period. That is. It was largely a snooze fest, but I didn't feel like that watching the game. I felt like, uh, you know, things were, things were all right. And I think it's mostly cause I've been, I was watching the guys off the ball do, do things that I wanted them to do, which was press and cause, uh, yeah. not, not allow them to settle, which I thought was, was really, really good uh, on our part. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's, can we, can we start going over the lineup if that's, if that's an acceptable place to start? Because I think, 
um, you know, I think we were, we were mostly, you know, largely unchanged. The big change there uh, is Vestergaard coming in and, you know, do you think that was the correct decision um, to, to get rid of uh, Stevens or put him on the bench and, and start Vestergaard in, in this fixture? Um, if you asked me before the game, I would have said no. Um, because despite Vestergaard's size, um, he hasn't always looked the best at defending um, in the air or winning aerial duels, which we know against Burnley, no matter who you're lining up against in that Burnley side, that is um, a big uh, mode of attack for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after the game, Vestergaard was probably one of the best players on the pitch, let alone just the Saints. That very reliable, which is something we haven't been able to say um, a whole lot. You know, if, if, you know, before the game, if we were going to naively play against Burnley like we did against Spurs with a high line, you'd, you'd say Vestergaard has no place in being in a high line defence, but with our defence playing deeper and, um, you know, we, we know what we're going to get against Burnley, I felt like Vestergaard really um, stepped up yesterday, which was nice to see. Yeah, I thought he, he had a great game. Uh, I think he had the second highest rating according to who scored. I think they gave it to Bednarak just by like, you know, a point, point one. Um, but you mentioned the high line and the difference in tactics. And I think uh, looking at, um, actually at, at Alex McCarthy's uh, average distance from goal for his touches yesterday, uh, he was about 15 yards from goal average for his touches. Whereas against Spurs, he was, he was 24.8 yards. And the week before, uh, the first week, 25 yards. So we were definitely considerably deeper uh, against against Burnley, which I think is a, is a better switch, especially given Vestergaard's turning radius. We kind of made fun of him earlier, or I did. Um, I, won't, I won't throw you under the bus that way. But given that, I, I think the, the change of tactics was good. And I think we knew what Burnley were going to try to do, right? Like they were going to try to pump it long and, and win, the, win the battles in the air and then have people run in behind, which is, it, it has worked against us in the past, but I, I thought that uh, Vestergaard and Bednarak both did very, very well to, uh, to, to mitigate that. I mean, they, they, they were incredible yesterday. Uh, aerial duels between Vestergaard and Bednarak. Um, Vestergaard won nine, Bednarak won eight. Um, that's the, the first and second most on the pitch. Uh, obviously, they were going to be challenging for the most, and uh, they they were both better than Wood was in the air, which is nice. Um, both of them managed thirteen clearances as well, uh, and to, to make it twenty six of the thirty seven clearances we had were by Bednarak and Vestergaard, which I think is exactly what you want when you have a team like Burnley just trying to, you know, to basically stick it in the mixer. Yeah, um, I, I just felt like we acquitted ourselves as much as we had to. Um, as you say, like we, we kind of know what we're, we're up against with Burnley. Um, and Burnley are a team that no matter who the personnel is, they have a style. Um, we were very dependent on being solid at the back. I mean, I don't know if it'd be different if Burnley had their first team squad uh, available to them, but you know, typically teams like Burnley and West Ham, Bullier. Um, specifically bully us in the air and uh, you know get to the second and third balls with pressure. Um, that didn't happen yesterday. And I felt that we did really well limiting them in the, the sort of opportunities they had of a goal scoring or 
you know, just even threatening us in and around the area. I just felt like the whole team put a really good shift in. I mean, when you see Adams or Ings but at the back, obviously there's a part of you that I think needs to be up there, uh, you know, if we want to have a counter-attack and perhaps score and, and uh, give us a nicer cushion, see the game out. But it just goes to show the kind of uh, effort the whole team put in just to make sure that we came away with three points. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's, we needed a team performance. And I think the, the difference in energy levels from, from yesterday compared to the week before in the second half, especially, um, was really, I think, what I was, was looking for uh, from the team because I, I didn't want to see us kind of be, allow the other team as much time on the ball. And like, and I wrote in the newsletter, like, it's not, it's not rocket science, like seeing what needs to improve at this point. Like when we were at our best last season, we were pressing teams and not giving them time on the ball. And we were, we were busy off, off the ball. And, and you saw yesterday, uh, I, I thought, especially Janapo and Armstrong did a fantastic job of, they were everywhere kind of pressing guys and closing people down and not just allowing people to sit with time on the ball and, and make a pass. It was, there was always a saints player, in the face of the opposition, whether it was Ings or Adams kind of tracking back and, and getting in the way, uh, or whether it was, it was, uh, sorry, Armstrong and Janapo or, or Romeo or, or, or Ward Prowse. And I just thought that that early on was a, it was a much better sign from saints. And I think because of that, I came out of the game thinking we played maybe even better than, than we actually did because like at the end of the day, you know, we had one shot on target and it happened to go in and that doesn't always happen. Um, but, but I, I don't know, overall, I was pretty, pretty impressed with, with the way that, that things worked out and with the performance of the team. Um, and we did have a couple of nice spells of possession. Uh, one of them led to the goal. Uh, but, uh, we almost also almost played ourselves into trouble there. Uh, Romeo kind of left a ball out in the middle of nowhere between, between, uh, Bednarak and Kyle Walker Peters. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I thought, I thought the, uh, the performance was, was great. It wasn't the prettiest of wins but I think the fact that it was you know all, all of the negative um, aspects of the, the Spurs loss uh, loss was essentially just how glaringly open we were at the back we didn't see that um, on Saturday night and uh, that's an improvement because I think while Ings is in the kind of form that he is we will always have um, a goal threat it may not be as threatening as we'd like, but the main thing is we need to keep it tight at the back because that has been our um, been our Achilles heel um, against Spurs and a few other games last season. Don't need to mention the uh, the big loss we had last season, and it looked like after the restart we kind of you know got rid of those defensive problems that were essentially costing us games. And then to start the season the way we did, it was a massive concern that we'd kind of return to really sloppy decision-making at the back, sloppy positioning, sloppy everything, defending. Um, the fact that we managed to, you know, actually physically impose ourselves and defend firmly against a team as, as physical as Burnley, uh, I think that's a definite step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, I think hopefully going forward we we wind up you know improving on that and continuing to to build on what we saw um i guess 
Right, let's talk about the goal uh, very quickly because you mentioned the the form that Ings is in. I think he's got more goals since the beginning of last season than any player. That might be slightly wrong, but I think it's 25 goals um, since the start of last season in the league. And so I think that it puts him up there. But um, I mean, he just seems to to find space to make shots go in. They don't have to be pretty. It doesn't matter if they're from the spot. It doesn't matter how it happens or how the chance falls. He seems like he just seems to be able to do it all. And I was, you know, very unhappy with the, when the first thing that uh, the, the people on NBC sports mentioned after the game was why hasn't anybody come in to buy him from us yet? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, Ralph's been pretty clear that he's staying. Um, you know, and I know Spurs were linked with him prior to Gareth Bale coming, coming back to them. But um, I mean, he's just, he's so important. And without him, I think we'd be in a world of hurt um, now. And uh, I, I can't imagine us letting him go, and I don't. I don't think that will happen. Yeah, that I feel as strongly to say if he was to let things go, that's essentially consigning us to a relegation battle. I mean, we still might have one with him, but our midfield doesn't score enough goals. <laughs> Shay Adams, Shane Long, Obafemi, they don't score enough goals either. Um, no, when is it? Twenty-five goals. Things have scored since the start of last season. Yeah, it's, and it's forty-five percent of all of our league goals have been scored by him. Yeah, exactly. And there's absolutely no chance we can ever let him go because whether it's looking at it from a financial aspect, if, you know, even if they offered silly money for for Ings to join another club, you know, if we get relegated, then that money means nothing. Right, we'd lose more money going down anyway. So. Um, well, and and I just like to I just like to point this out. If if this club is going to be sold, Danny Ings has to be a part of the club, right? Like the value drops significantly if Gao pockets yeah. the the fifty million and walks away. You have to imagine that the the incoming owner then would would demand a, a lower price for the team because Danny Ings is so vital to the team. So maybe. I, that, that maybe I'm just making this stuff up, but like I think that that plays a part here in him staying at the club if if the club is truly going to be sold. I've never actually looked at it that way. But if you're a money man and you see players as you know investments or assets, which I think DeGrasse yeah. does. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, so yeah, there's no reason why Ings wouldn't be seen as an asset that comes with Southampton, which would in in turn boost Southampton's value. Um, just going back to, you know, Ings' goal and his goal-scoring ability, his goal itself, the way he took it, it was kind of symbolic of the game. You know, it went in, it wasn't pretty. We won, it wasn't pretty. But he has that... I never really saw it in him until... When we first signed Ings on loan and... Uh, you know, it was clear that we'd committed to spend a lot of money on him. I, I was, I don't know, maybe I hadn't seen him play enough. Um, I was skeptical of things um, and how good that deal was, especially given his injury record and everything like that. But he's so, so good. Um, his hold-up play is great. His finishing superb. Um We've already talked about how he puts a shift in all over the pitch. He's a real team player. And despite that, he scores a lot of goals. 
Um, there's no one else we that I can see doing what he does for Saints, and we should do everything we can to keep him and hope that he's actually enjoying being at Southampton because usually when we have a player of his ability, um, they are more than happy to leave um, you know, and join a bigger club, whereas Ings has had that experience and he's essentially recaptured his best form at a club he loved. Mm-hmm. I hope he um, you know, sticks around for the long haul, but we need to make it worthwhile for him to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's it's going to be important for us to we have to we have to continue to feed him right and and provide him with chances that because I think a lot last season he created so many of those chances on his own uh, from yeah. pressing teams and, and doing things and just uh, capitalizing on mistakes. So the more we can, I mean, if, if we have guys like Walker Peters and Adams creating those chances for him like they did yesterday and he puts them away, I mean, let's face it, being the focal point of an offensive attack is, is kind of great. And he seems to be fine with it, but also is not, he doesn't give the impression to me at least that he is demanding the ball and, and forcing, he doesn't necessarily want to be the center of attention. He's not, he's not out here for glory. He's out here to, to win and to to be a part of the team. And you see that with him tracking back constantly uh, and, and pressing teams and encouraging people. And, and the, the partnership with Adams, I think is coming along better now. And I, I don't know, I think he is the perfect fit. And then, like you said, I don't think anybody else, uh, it's hard to imagine somebody else coming in and, and, and being that guy for us because he just seems to have the perfect kind of, um, I don't know, just like the, 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 the right mentality, the right, physical attributes he just seems to be the kind of the perfect fit for what we need in the system and um i think him and ralph uh, you know do get along and i just as long as he's healthy man i just want to keep i want him in the team and i want him to run in the weird way that he sprints uh, according to carl and all that stuff from last season this is this is this is fantastic and i'm enjoying watching him play once again yeah oh well i can echo your sentiments more um no one there's no one out there that does what he does in my mind, not not anyone that would play for Southampton anyway. Um, he's what we need. He's what we have. Let's just make sure we do everything we can to keep him. Um, but he, uh, you said he doesn't like being the centre of attention, but um, and he's not all for glory. But um, he's not afraid to, you know, give his two cents when uh, things aren't done properly. Uh, Reminds me of um, Armstrong had the opportunity to play him in last night mm-hmm. um, towards the end of the game. He went for a shot that was blocked. It was a you know poor decision to make. About a minute later, the same essentially the same opportunity came up. Um, Ing shouted at Armstrong after the, the first mm-hmm. sort of wrong decision. Then Armstrong uh, played a pass too late in between two Ings. Tuck the ball away. Um, superb finish, but uh-huh. offside. And it's just like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, if Armstrong made that first decision, uh, the, the correct decision first time round, in, in exactly the same scenario, you know, we could have been 2 0 up. I know it doesn't, things don't necessarily work out that way. But, right. um, yeah. But it just goes straight. Ings is all about the team. Um, he'll give players a rocket if they if they're not doing their job as they should. Um, but he is, yeah, he's all about results and 
if he can get some goals along the way, obviously he'll be very happy. Yeah. And, and I think that goes back to him being a good teammate. Like if, if he is so passive and that he doesn't say, Hey, you missed the chance. Like then, then that's, that's not a great teammate. Cause you need, you need people who are willing to have those yeah. conversations with people, you know, and, and say those yeah. things. So I'm, um, I'm all, I'm all for it. But that was semi frustrating because it seemed like Armstrong, it seemed like the shot needed to be taken earlier, but the, the right decision was definitely to play the ball two ings it seemed clear and granted i'm sitting here on tv with an aerial view and like you know you know not in real time and it's easy for me to to sit here and yell at, at armstrong but and i hadn't just run for 90 minutes uh, up and down the pitch doing all the other stuff but uh it was what I, I expect better from him and uh you know there it is um i do want to say there, there were a couple of instances yesterday where although our, our defense was played very well um i thought the pass uh, just going back to the goal one one more time the the run from Adams, the pass from Kyle Walker Peters, I thought was was fantastic. I, that ball, it just it just all seemed so good. Like uh, to see us kind of carve a team open like that was was great, um, and break a team down because Burnley were already sitting back just five minutes in. They were already kind of compressed, and and that run from Adams was was great. Um, but then going the other way, the there were a couple of instances between uh, just where the, the communication between the center backs and the goalkeeper didn't quite seem to be there. And I don't know if it's because it's, it's Vestergaard and not Stevens or if McCarthy just isn't dominant enough. And also did it look like McCarthy had a black eye? Is that, am I making that up? No. So I thought he had one against Spurs and I felt like yesterday was like remnants of a black eye he previously had. So I, I remember seeing him against Spurs and I was pretty sure his left eye uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah, a bit of a China. That just means he needs uh, some vitamins, man. He needs to get that, <laughs> get that, get some or more sleep. sleep. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I, the the communication between goalkeeper and center backs has been an issue. We we haven't had somebody yeah. out there kind of commanding that area uh, for a long time. And and yesterday, I did one thing. I did write down in my notes was the the energy and also the communication and the talking to to from teammate to teammate seemed to be a lot better, um, especially early on yesterday than it was against Spurs in the second half. Um, I don't know what you what you made of that. Um, now that I've given it you about forty seven things to respond to there, <laughs> it couldn't have been much worse the uh, communication at defence than it was against Spurs. Um, McCarthy he's solid enough, but he makes so many unforced errors, and that. The thing that's always, you know, he's always praised about is the shot stopping ability. But like, that's what a goalkeeper should be good at, at a minimum. That is their job. Um, Spurs was a disaster. It looked better yesterday, but there's still a couple of wobbly moments. I, I don't think we necessarily have better options. Like when um, Martin Simmons came out and said that force is coming back and he's. Staying with Southampton for the season, then he'll be given a chance. I was actually quite encouraged. I think maybe, of course, we'll get a run of games at Southampton. You know, the Celtic move would have done some good for him, build up his confidence, you know, get some regular game time back under his belt. Um, it seems like McCarthy's there to stay for the, for the time being. Um, I don't know if, or maybe, maybe Jack Stevens is the problem. I don't know. I don't think any of us really know but I think regardless I, I think you know if you have a dependable goalkeeper you know that instills a sense of confidence throughout the team not only the defence but the defence especially um, I don't think we necessarily have that and if you have a 
defense, which isn't particularly solid at the back either, um, especially playing in a high line. And you know, you know, we could go on about the high line all day. Um, you know, that does no one any favors in the in the Saints team. Um, to your earlier point about Carl Peters, um, I think he could, looked good defensively yesterday. Um, I actually felt like Bertrand on the other side had quite a poor game. Um, if you look at most of the Burnley attacks, um, especially in the second half, they did often come down our left. Um, I thought Walker Peters was really good uh, defensively, but also the ability he's showing on the ball was really encouraging too. The Spurs goal um, Ings scored last week was a great ball uh, for Walker Peters. And again, what you said with uh, Adams running onto the uh, Walker Peters ball at uh, set-up Ings, it's, it's really encouraging. Um, a lot of our attacks seem quite dependent on our our wingers. So if we can have you no know, overlaps or even just long floated balls over the top uh, down the side, great because both Adams and Ings are very good at running in the channels, and hopefully the other ones in the box to you know finish a chance off. So uh, it's it's encouraging on the attacking front, especially with Walker Peters. I just think that the defence and the goalkeeper situation is a wider issue, but it's one that we've had for years at this point. Um, I don't know if Salasu, could he be the missing piece? We don't know. Um, I I think the goalkeeper issue is the biggest um, of them all. Now that we have another centre-half, I think, Goalkeepers are the biggest problem, and we have three that are meant to be quite capable. So I, I would like to see Forster given a go. Carabao Cup would have been the perfect opportunity for that, but obviously we're not in it anymore. So I, right. I don't know. It's a risk to put a new goalkeeper in. Um, I felt like for any time we were going to do that, it would have been against Burnley because you know Gunn hasn't featured the Saints since the Leicester game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the B team I, yesterday. Or this okay. weekend, yeah. I didn't look and see how he did, but he was he was in there for the B team. I didn't. I do know that. Oh, that's good. Well, uh, I felt the Spurs game. If that second half um, was the first half, um, and we had another half to play against Spurs, I think they could have easily surpassed the scoreline that Leicester put past us. Yeah. Um, you know, would McCarthy be replaced off after that? I mean, he was at fault for at least one or two of those goals. Yeah. Um, especially the Suns first goal brings to mind. Very committed to run out and uh, sweep the ball away before, you know, quickly going into retreat and letting in a goal at a tight angle. Um, you know, could have, you know, would force to come in if we could get you know, pump nine goals plus. But I don't know, but. Um, I feel like there's still quite a few things we need to fix there. But saying that, Vestergaard did deputise well for Stevens. Um, we can't be too down on yesterday's performance because a lot of the game we were on the back foot, especially second half, when we handled it well enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the You mentioned Bertrand earlier, and I think that's another point of communication, is that decision it looked like everybody was caught it wasn't sure if mccarthy was coming for the ball um bertrand tried to i don't know give a back pass to mccarthy which seemed ill uh, it, it didn't seem like a great decision to me uh yeah. then he doesn't get enough on it um they wind up putting the ball in the net but but they 
luckily, I mean, the, the linesman did the wrong thing there. The, he put his flag up immediately, which he's now not supposed to do according to the, how, how VAR is supposed to come into this. Um, but because of that, and because the whistle was, was blown, I guess, and, and the line went up, or the, flagsman, the linesman's flag went up, um, VAR can't overturn that. So we got maybe a little bit lucky there. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it since, uh, just as a uh, precursor to this. Um, but I know the commentary team kind of retroactively said, you know, what, what the uh, linesman and Andre Mariner, the referee, did was actually right, would, was offside. But uh, I feel like, yeah, we definitely got away with a big one. Um, I don't know. I know you just said, said then, is it because the flag went up, they didn't go to VAR? Yes. Is that, is that the reason? That, that's um, the way yeah. it was explained post-match um, on our commentary here. Because the linesman put his flag up initially, and I think because the referee responded to that, yeah, it could not be overturned. Yeah, that's like a almost like a finalized decision. Yeah, I felt like on first viewing, he was on the side. I can't quite remember, but I thought it was Bertrand who played the ball back to begin with. Um, yeah, it all seemed like a massive mess. It worked in our favor, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not complaining at all. But, you know, these Premier League officials, bear in mind they're supposedly officiating in the, the biggest league uh, football league in the world if they can't get to grips with their own rules then you know it's, it's a worrying sign yeah. uh, Sean Dyche was um, according to the commentary team he was very very angry at the decision I felt on the first viewing and the subsequent replays I felt like he had every right to be really angry yeah well let's be honest like Sean Dyche is always angry I think I think even when he's not angry <laughs> yeah, he's angry um, but, uh, I think I saw, uh, Alan Gunn was, uh, tweeting something about, uh, he said something about Sean. If, if something is, is this, then Sean Dyche's voice is silky smooth. And I made me laugh. Um, if it wasn't <laughs> Alan that tweeted that, then I apologize to whoever I didn't give credit to, but it was pretty great. Um, there were a couple of instances. I just want to like, I, I have been critical of McCarthy's, uh, distribution and, and other things, but yesterday there was an instance when his footwork uh, he just sat down a Burnley forward kind of like with a nice little fake. And I just went like, what are you doing? Like, do yeah. not, do not try that. But also um, I think we only completed maybe four or five dribbles in the entire game. And Alex McCarthy had one of them. So uh, good, good for you. Yeah. yeah it was a, a fake long punt up the pitch. Um, I think into a Cruyff turn. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. a, a heart and mouth moment. I wouldn't, even if, you know, there's a 80% chance he gets away with those kind of things. I'd rather him just aimlessly get rid of the ball in those kind of scenarios. Um, I think that more lends to seeing past and present Southampton goalkeepers screw those kind of things up. Um, even the best in the Premier League do. Uh, right. So I, I don't want to see him doing that again. Although, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, it does make me smile. It does. It does. Um, yeah, he had 25% of our dribbles from yesterday, which is just, just a fantastic stat for the goalkeeper. <laughs> that, that's, that says a lot. Yeah. Alex McCarthy, same number of dribbles as Musa Janepo in yesterday's match. which is Yeah. Uh, just going back to when I was uh, criticizing Ryan Bertrand, 
I felt like Southampton left in general didn't shine. Um, Moussa Gineppo, I felt, was very wasteful. Um, the fact that he only had one successful dribble all game would suggest that. So he had a fair amount of the ball, from what I can recall. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have we have a couple of questions on, about that, so let's let's move that way. If anybody wants to send any questions, you can always do that. Uh, look for the post that goes out on social media, or send your questions in via email. Uh, whatever you want, we'll we'll get them on the show. Um, but but a couple of questions, and some of them relate to Musa Janepo. One from the In That Number podcast says, "Are you all concerned with Janepo's inconsistencies and his proneness to injury? Uh, is potentially the English game just not suited for him, or is he not suited for the English game?" We also have another one. Uh, from Al Capone one five six said, "What happened to Janepo today? He looked terrible, um, with the exception of maybe one flick on." Um, so I, I think, you know, w- what what is it about him that that is worrisome? Does he just is it his inability to to kind of I don't know? Just is he not is he not strong enough? Is he not? I mean, he's so young. Maybe he's yet to develop fully. Um, he definitely seemed like uh, who was it? Was it Barnsley? Maybe who just I think Janebo left an elbow in on him, maybe unintentionally. Yeah. But then Barnsley just spent the rest of the game very professionally welcoming Janebo to English football, even though he's been here for a year. Yeah, I mean, Janebo, you could argue, is quite a naive player, and I think a sign of that is elbowing Phil Bardsley, because <laughs> if you elbow Phil Bardsley, you will get well. Yeah, he'll he'll uh, he'll pay you back and then some, uh, and I think he could do just that yesterday. With Janepo, I feel like he's inconsistent, but part of that is because of those injuries. Um, he hasn't really had a prolonged spell in the first team uninterrupted. Um, with Redmond out, obviously this is his chance to, you know, have some. More minutes in the Saints' first team from from the very get go. He he looked good against Spurs in the first half. I felt. Um, I just feel like he's raw. Um, what I do like is he's someone that tries to make things happen. Although I'm also concerned that he perhaps overcomplicates things. Mm-hmm. Um, he's there was one point yesterday. I think it was in the Second half, he tried to, he received the ball, he took it down great, and instead of running at Barsley, who he's just, who had just been booked for yellow card, and is, you know, on the hunt for Gineppo, and, you know, you could, if you run at him, you could get him sent off. Yeah. Gineppo, instead of wanting that battle, he tried to do some kind of backfield to Bertrand, but basically stood on the ball. And it, it was like, the odd little decision here and there, and nothing he he does looks overly convincing. And I, I don't know whether that's something that could be worked on, or that is just the way he plays. But uh, whether it's naively or not, I remember when we signed Gineppo, a lot of people thought, well, maybe this is the first player we have since Sadio Mane. You know, there's some parallels there. African uh, winger signed from a middling European league uh, for a decent price but has a decent record in that league Yeah, um, and he's he's quick um, likes the ball at his feet and can make things happen um, yeah. 
Mane drew plenty of criticism when he was first at Southampton, um, wrongly. Uh, the one thing I always held on to, he's actually one of the few players that is trying to, you know, do something positive with the ball. Yeah. Gineppo is the same in that regard, but Mane, I think, arrived a lot more polished. But I think it's unfair to judge Gineppo just now. As I said last week, um, you know, that first half, Southampton played well against Spurs. He was behind a lot of that. He definitely wasn't good uh, against Burnley on Saturday. Um, but I think we really need to see more of him before we can pass proper judgment. Yeah, I, I will stand up for him a, a little bit in that he didn't have the ball at his feet as much. And I think that is worrying because if you look, Armstrong had the ball at his feet a lot more than he did. And if you're going to play in that position, we're going to need you to create chances and to to have the ball at your feet and then to make the correct decision when you do. And obviously Armstrong made a mistake as well. But um, yeah. but but the one thing I will say is is nobody pressured the ball more than Musa Janepo. I mean, he he was he applied pressure more than anybody else on the pitch, which I think well. is something we have to give him credit for. Even though I think he's going to get himself in trouble with that. I think he got yellow carded yesterday. I could be wrong, um, but I think he he did wind up um, with that. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe maybe it didn't happen, but. Um, you know, I I want him to to to, to do a little better in, in some of those situations, but I I have to give him the credit for the work off the ball yesterday that I thought was great. Um, and I will say that the, the his body type is different than Mane's too. Uh, he's much he's he's leaner. He's not like Mane is 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 I think a little bit shorter uh, and and just more. He's got more muscle on him than the Janabo. Janabo is quite gangly, yeah. um, which can be maybe it makes it harder for the defenders to defend. I don't know, like. I wouldn't want him running at me, but I, I just would worry about about Mane running at me just as much, mostly because I am a 35 year old uh, middle aged father of two with like half a knee. So like it's not going to go well if either one of those guys run at me. But but there you go. Um, on, on on that point, very quickly before you move on, I mean you said Jennifer didn't have much of the ball. Armstrong had a lot of it. Just as a counterpoint, well Armstrong didn't as much as I like him. He didn't really do a whole lot on the ball mm-hmm. when he had much more of it than Gineppo anyway like as as happy as I am that we did win um, and Matt you, you can vouch for this but when, when I uh, said I'd come on for the Burnley game we both said <laughs> we'll be coming on for a lot yeah, yep, um, yep. I am very happy that we've won um, but we didn't I don't think we played well we defended you know well enough um, and we took the the one chance we really had all game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, I know Danny Ings was given man of the match, but I almost felt like that was, you know, um, it was a given. He mm-hmm. was the one person that scored. Apart from that, not a whole lot happened all game. So as Gineppo was poor, I felt Bertram was also poor. Um, but then no one shone all that much to me either. So, um, let, let's let's reserve judgment on Gineppo. We, we need to see more of him. Yeah, yeah. The the reason, and I was just talking about touches in terms of of Gineppo uh, and Armstrong. Like Bertrand had the ball a lot more than Kyle Walker Peters, but the reverse is true of the wingers that were playing on at, on those sides. So I was just looking at, at that in terms of of and, and trying to figure out exactly why why that happens. But you know, numbers are only so much that you have to watch the game too. Um, yeah. 
So uh, the other thing, I, I do want to give McCarthy credit uh, before we answer this last couple of questions. Um, he had to make one save. Uh, he had a, There was a header right at the beginning of the second half that was kind of just looped and it wasn't much. And he made a fantastic dive to get there, which was great. Um, but the save he made on that kind of rebounded shot that came out. Yeah. Um, one, I want Armstrong to be a little bit more brave and get closer there. But McCarthy came up big when we needed him, and that was a, it was a fantastic save, and that's what he's good at, right? Yeah, it's the whole shot-stopping thing. Yeah, it was uh, Charlie Taylor, Bernie left back. You're right, Armstrong probably should have done more, um, try and close that down. Um, to Mark McCarthy's credit, um, I think he got an early sight of the ball, but that was then obscured afterwards. Um, so it was a very good save. And Taylor actually looked like he was running away to celebrate for realizing it got saved. That just sort of goes to show how good a shot and how good a save it was. Yeah. Um, at the same time, if he didn't make that save, uh, I think there'd be a lot of questions asked. So as good as it was, let's not. I, I might be being too harsh, but I hope I hope it's understood. I, I, don't, I don't try and criticize players for no reason, and I more than have to be proved wrong if players do play very well because that benefits Southampton. But um, it's a very good save. It's a save he had had to and should have made. So um, I'm gonna not gonna praise him too much. But yes, of course, I'm, I'm happy he did. All right, all right. Uh, we have another question from Mowgli underscore Young, who we kind of talked about the takeover already, so we won't address that one. Um, I am bald, so this other question doesn't help me at all. He says, what shampoo and conditioner do you think Stuart Armstrong uses? Um, <laughs> I've used uh, Irish Spring for the last 20 years, and I have not purchased uh, shampoo. So I have no idea what that, 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 that part of the store even looks like. I have no idea if this is a fancy-sounding brand name, and it's just the UK brand or if it's global or what, but I, I see him as a bit of a Tresemme man. Um, you know, French sounding, meant to be luxurious. Um, and I, I believe they're one of the USPs is, is what the uh, hair professionals use. So I think Stuart Armstrong's a, a Tresemme man. We do have it in the US. I've just Googled it. Uh, oh, fantastic. You can see the Tresemme Moisturizing Rich with Vitamin E Shampoo, 28 fluid ounces, three ninety nine. So, Well, does that sound Stuart Armstrong to you? I'd like to hear him say Tresemme in his accent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, don't, I have no idea. So this, 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 this is the part of the podcast where people like, just end it, dude. What are you doing? But that's all, all I'm right. going to say is top quality hair to top quality shampoo. Um, and I think that's what he'd go for. Yeah, yeah. Um, lastly, uh, Ernie responded to the Instagram story. Do you have, I mean, and I don't, I don't, I intentionally don't do this. And I know we've talked about this off, off record, but, um, do you have any idea who, who you would like to see Southampton sign? Is there a player in your mind that, that we should bring in? Would you like to see us sign Ruben Loftus-Cheek on a, uh, or, or Tom Davies or anybody else on a, on a loan? Or is there anybody else that, that jumps out to you that, to answer his question? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know anyone at this point. Um, as I said earlier, I feel like Ruben Loftus cheek. If he can stay fit, I almost see it not on the same 
scale as Danny Ings, because obviously Danny Ings signing him, we knew it was with a view to being permanent. And I think the scale of the injuries that Ings has suffered were much more sort of career-threatening than what Ruben Loftus-Cheek has. And also, Ruben Loftus-Cheek also has age on his side. He's still, still I think he's only 23. Mm-hmm. Um, could be wrong there. But um, I think he has enough in his locker to play the midfield role that we need. Tom Davies, um, less convinced. Everton fans seem to absolutely be hell-bent on getting him out of the club, even though he's a, an academy product. Um, I don't know if he's the player we need. From what I've seen, I don't think he's particularly he's solid enough everywhere, but I don't think he's like uh, particularly good defensively from what I've seen. Uh, and we have, you know, Ward Prowse has really improved his defensive game, but he is less defensive than Romeo is, and Romeo is the man that I see being replacing central midfield. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we need someone who's a bit more more of a physical presence than Tom Davies. I wouldn't be against us picking him up um, as a backup option because our squad's paper thin, but I don't think he's the guy. I'd rather lost us cheaper for two, but at the same time, needs to be financially viable for Saints. Um, and that, I fear, could be a big sticking point with Villa sniffing round and West Ham sniffing round. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I mean, it, it's been a pleasure, Jake, again, to talk to you. If people want to follow you on Twitter, they can do that at JJ Hughes underscore and at St. Mary's Musings. Uh, the 3S podcast is out. Link to that is also in the show notes uh, so people can catch up with, with that. Um, and honestly, it's, I think this is maybe one of the first times we've ever talked about a win, which is just it's great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well first time's the charm. Hopefully, it'll continue. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, thank you again, man. I appreciate it, and I hope that uh, the rest of your week goes of your week goes well, and uh, you know the rest of your MMA writing and everything else. And people don't know you also write freelance about MMA a lot. So uh, yeah, you know, they want to message you late night uh, 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 during UFC or or anything else. Uh, you'll you'll be there. I will, although albeit belatedly now because um, that's just the sheer amount of UFC events at the moment means I am not staying up so late because it totally screws up the rest of my week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember, but basically it's back-to-back until Christmas now. Oh, my gosh. Um, and it has been that the last month, I want to say. Uh, it's not viable. No. <laughs> And some, and uh, they've had some midweek events thrown in um, throughout August and September as well. So I, I just can't do that. Yeah, but I uh, am writing about it all. Yeah, so yeah. feel all free right. to hit me up if you have any opinions, good or dumb. Um, I'm sure I can respond in kind. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, great talking to you, Matt, as ever. Um, wish you all the best this week too. that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. 
Special thanks this week goes out to Jake Hughes. You can find him on Twitter at JJ Hughes underscore. You can also get in touch with him at St. Mary's Musings. And, uh, you know, there's MMA, there's uh, the three Fs, there's Saints, and uh, much more. So give him a follow if you don't already. And uh, I think you'll be pretty happy with what comes out of there. But I do want to say thank you to Jake for taking time away from your podcast and your work and your family spend time talking with me and uh, thanks to Saints for giving us a win to talk about I think it's the first one Jake and I have had to talk about in quite some time Uh, so that's nice special thanks to you listeners for being a part of the show please continue to send in your questions you can do that on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at SFC D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Twitter and Instagram we're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery you can get links to all those and more on the show website, southamptondelivery.com. Uh, there you can also just drop us a message, uh, send us an email, all that stuff, all available on the show website. So please continue to do that. Leave a review if you uh, are enjoying the show. Share it with a friend. All of those things really do help other people find out about the show. Uh, they help improve the ratings, which makes it easier for other people to find, and so on and so forth. You get how this goes. Further thanks goes out to the partners of the show, the Southampton page on Twitter at Southampton page and on Instagram at Southampton page one. And they will help keep you up to date with everything going on around the Southampton football club. And if you're interested in more of the history and the culture of the club, uh, head on over and follow the saints archive, a new partner of the show. Uh, we have some special things coming for you in the weeks to come in conjunction with them. So please be sure to follow along. Matt Beeling does the logo for the show. You can follow him at we are Southampton on Instagram And all music for the show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Potterton Bear. But that does it for this week. We will be back next week. And hopefully, uh, even though it's a 4 a.m. kickoff for me, we have a win to talk about. We'll be excited to do it either way. Uh, And until then, remember that together, we march on.